0: Right. We're getting sacked in the morning. The stresses of soccer management.
1: Tom, it's our first show. Is there no time left to sort of try and develop a show anymore?
0: No, there isn't. There isn't. It's full on. It's full on just misery. We love the misery here. But for a manager in the current scene of Soccer and Clare... There must be pressure involved. And I think this week we should talk to a few managers to get this show on the road.
1: I I think we should. But first first of all, we should sort of uh, welcome our listeners in and introduce the concept of the show. So why don't you sort of tell people what we're about? We're about speaking
0: football at a local level specifically East Clare and we're going to talk about the men this week and next month we're going to talk about ladies football and we're going to get a little bit of gossip and really we're going to take it from there, you know, because there's a lot to be gained about knowing local knowledge and tuning
1: into your local radio station, exactly. And you're listening to Scariff Bay Community Radio. This is a a show of ninety minutes. We'll say the, the Clare football show, which hopefully will be a, a monthly staple on the radio uh, airwaves of East Clare, and will be also be available for download on podcasts uh, shortly after its broadcast. So basically, we're going to be covering in the I suppose the majority of our coverage is going to be geared towards our clubs in East Clare. So we're talking Mount Shannon Celtic, we're talking location and we're talking Tulla and today Tom we're going to be talking to someone from all of them all the managers I hope they're not going to be under pressure after that intro music from you well it's like it's like everything you know you gotta begin where you hope to go or is
0: that the wrong saying not the uh, what you call it it's not start where you hope to finish is that what it is there's that wonderful, one of those wonderful sayings. But then again, you're just thinking of Donald Trump No, This I, is a soccer show. It's not politics. Well, do you know what? Considering the month that's in it, make Halloween great again.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> will we start the show? We will. Let's kick it off. Now, Tom, first show, first guest. Delighted to welcome Mike
0: Maloney, manager of uh, Tully United uh, Premier side. Last season in the Premier, survival a bit like Bear Grylls?
2: Yeah, I suppose a very young group of players. Uh, We hadn't been in the Premier for a few years. uh, And it was really about uh, giving players experience, the pace of it, the physicality of it. And it took a period of time, probably up until Christmas, for the lads to begin to adapt And then there was a little bit of a break at Christmas. We had a chance to circle the wagons and we were really competitive for the rest of the season. Uh, We stayed up, albeit in a playoff at the end of the season with Cool, and got to a cup semi-final that we lost on penalties. So I suppose all in all, it probably exceeded our expectations a little bit. But yeah, it was a learning curve for the lads that hopefully that experience now bringing it into this season will mean that we'll be more competitive than we were
0: last and tell me when it comes to getting players up to speed it's it's a very difficult thing to do when you have players that are coming in new fresh that haven't got an awful lot of experience especially at that level is it all about the coaching and repetitions and as much soccer as you possibly can get in in the kind of the off season or pre-season well look we've got a very young group of players but they're not inexperienced
2: so there might be an experience at playing adult level in Clare, but they've all played underage for us for, you know, eight or ten years. And we've had a couple of very successful squads, Or 2003-born and 2005-born players, have both had good runs in National Cups, and a lot of them have played underage for Clare. they played in the county grounds more often than I have. They've played in AIM and DC Park, they, you know, that kind of experience. And uh, so I suppose even though there's that look of them have being very callow, when push comes to shove, they have a lot of experience from playing. All they need really was being able to step up to, I suppose, the physicality and the speed of the game that they wouldn't have been used to. But in terms of experience underage, they have great experience. And now that they have that season under their belt,
0: you know, there should be progress. And I mean, f- from back in the days when we were playing, I mean, has the kind of the, the psychology changed with regards to the player coming into a weekend, the let's say the mental preparation—is he—is he going out, let's say, a bit like uh, Sam Allardyce having to trawl the pubs in Limerick looking for his players on a Saturday night for a Sunday match? Is—is is there an element of that with the the younger player compared to the to the older, or is there a bit more smarts going on? No, I, th- I think they're much more mature probably than I was
2: at their age. You know, uh, I think they realise that preparation is important and I suppose everything has changed you know the quality of the pitches that they play on now the quality of our own pitch the quality of the pitch in a market or the quality of the pitch in Avenue you know most of the teams now and that whole thing feeds into a better level of preparation for the players you're more likely now to see a young fella walking around with a two litre bottle of water than you are with a flag and a cider that he might have been doing back 30 years ago and they realise that their diet is important we've introduced strength and conditioning for them as well because obviously if lads are going to be resilient and able to avoid injury they need to be that little bit stronger so you know I think we have a group of lads now that are mature enough that they realise that if they go out on a Saturday night and if they weren't you know, if they weren't to prepare properly, they wouldn't be able to compete at all on a Sunday
0: morning. I'm just kind of uh, thinking to myself, Luke, who has uh, a bit of knowledge and experience with treaty back in the d- back in the day as well. Um, the game has changed, and when it comes to the Premier League, as much as it is in in England with with Man City and everyone trying to catch their standard, has the same happened in the Clare League?
2: Yeah, I suppose, you know, the market had a very successful season last season, but I'm not so sure that that boat is going to lift all the others, you know. I think that was a great season for the market. It doesn't necessarily mean that the standard in Clare soccer is higher as a result of that, but it has set the bar, you know, and I think we all know now that if we want to compete with those teams, we need to prepare better, you know, and we need to be um, we need to be doing those Things, you know, in terms of strength and conditioning, in terms of pre-season, in terms of going into a season, having played four or five or six games to be able to compete with those two clubs in particular, Avenue and the Market. But that's happening. You know, it's happening in Tola, it's happening in the Bridge, it's happening in Shannon. And, you know, I think we'll see that. But... Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a challenge to compete with Avenue in the market and they have dominated the game over the last 10 or 12 seasons. The results don't lie, the trophies don't lie, but certainly it's our ambition to be competing with them over the coming seasons.
1: Yeah, and Mike, can I sort of bring us back a little bit now because <clears throat> you're wearing a nice top there in front of you and you have founded 1970 on you and sort of for soccer fans, football fans in East Clare... Um, I make no apologies for saying that what ye have done uh, in the midst of East Clare is very much to be admired and as I said I have Great admiration for everything that you've been able to do in relation to the club, the facilities that you've developed. And, you know, you, I, I know at various stages, you know, there are ebbs and flows and there are challenges, we'll say, especially over this side of the county, because you have other codes and, you know, you've the Hurling Tuller sort of trying to get back senior. And I'm sure there's a little bit of to and fro in with that. But just, you know, Thomas alluded to. Uh, you know, sort of thinking the lads would be out on the last night before a game or two. I, I think those days are gone. And I also think that um, the lads' sort of allegiances are maybe not as strong from the point of view of uh, I'm playing hurling, and that's it. It's a bit like, well, I I like soccer as well, so I'll play soccer as well. And don't you be telling me what to do, you know? And I, that, that's not aimed at toll. I think that's just in general, I think, the way that, that have things have gone. But ye have had... Um, uh, an, an underage structure that you've brought up over the years and one of the things that has i would imagine that has helped that and is going to be feeding into you hopefully uh, many years of success for you down the line is the astroturf and the amount of uh, youngsters that that has probably attracted to you and i know for a few years we'll say you weren't in the premiere you were down you had only one senior team but you that you were still digging away at, at underage and you're now back in the position where you've a B team and you're back in the Premier and trying to re-establish yourselves there. Can you just sort of explain um, the advantages of having the B team and what potential benefits you see coming from that in the future?
2: Yeah, I suppose just to go back to, to the facilities part of it for a for a minute. Mm -hmm. I suppose no more than the majority of clubs we were nomads for years, you know, moving from one farmer's field to the next farmer's field, never sure from one season to the next where we might be playing. And then we purchased a field on the 1st of January or we went to to see a field on the 1st of January 2004 and purchased it later that year and Mm -hmm. developed it and opened it in 2008 and then the AstroTuff followed in 2011. And There's been huge drivers in the club, you know, Dennis Corey, Mike Hoy, Stephen Brady, Barry Murphy, more probably than I could name. And it's been piece by piece, you know, there are no quick fixes to not having anything of your own, you know, you have to go and buy something, you have to get grants, you have to spend money, and now we're seeing the benefit of those developments yeah, that said, have, it's that it's have 20, taken place.
1: It's 20 years since you first went to go buy a pitch, yeah, it's yeah. sort of 16 years since it first opened, it's 10, 11, 12 years since the Astro opened, yeah. but... It's now that that's coming to fruition. Exactly, you
2: know? yeah. And I suppose the advantage that the having good pitches of your own means you can play in a particular way, you know, so you can play very constructive football because you've got two carpets of pitches. In terms of the Astro, it allows you to play 12 months of the year. Yeah. So that that time when you would have to take off a period of time uh, over the winter or you'd, you'd be trying to bring lads out up to their ankles in muck
1: are, you know... Which wasn't helping anyone. No, You, you know, be exactly. real, really, really yeah. realistic about it. We were used to it, you know, so, yeah. so that's how, how I, we was And now it, yeah.
2: every youngster expects that they're going to have really good facilities and they expect that they're going to have a really good standard of training because of what the experience they're having at other uh, clubs and in other codes, in Hurling and Gaelic football or rugby or wherever they go. And we're competing with that. But in a sense, we're not really competing. You know, for me, it they complement each other. You know, playing hurling, playing football, playing rugby, playing as many sports as you can, they do really complement each other. And we've had great cooperation from the Hurling Club, you know, in terms of access to players. And that cooperation is reciprocated, you know, in terms of we giving some leeway and they giving us some leeway. And I suppose the overlap of the seasons means there'll always be a little bit of push and pull. And for us, I suppose, it's trying to develop more players, if we can, whose first priority is playing soccer. In terms of the B team, yeah. and that piece was what you asked, I, yeah. I suppose, at the end, um, is the opportunity for every player that comes out of underage to play it at a standard appropriate to them. Yeah, So that they don't have to struggle and maybe play with an A team in a Premier Division or a First Division that they're not quite ready for yet. They could play in a Third Division with a B team. And then maybe their development comes at a later stage than some of the lads that might be considered more talented, in inverted commas, yeah. at 15 or 16 or 13 or 14. Those lads come through, and maybe they're the very players that will turn out to be your A team players in yeah. their 20s. And,
1: as, as as we say, you'll, ha- you'll have some good squad players from it at the very worst. Yeah. And, you know, we'll say a few nuggets of lads that could be late developers of late bloomers can come in no more than any any other team or any other code in it but it's great to have it now Tom or, or, or they might be great committee members Yeah,
2: you might. they might be the one who's going to be a treasurer or a secretary or a fundraiser you know there they might be that and like to play their casual game as well or their less competitive yeah. game sorry
0: Tom. no no I, I was just going to say it's so important to, to have an identity and to be a part of something and the way you spoke about the cooperation between different codes of sports is wonderful. That's that's the way it should be. in In small rural communities in Ireland, you should be able to sit down with your local GA club or your rugby club or God knows tennis club. If you're in Killaloo, I mean, it's just it just seems to be the way to progress because you're using more or less the same players for different codes of sports. So uh, you know, the, but behind the scenes, cooperation is key. Now. Luke mentioned Nuggets. I'm going to ask you for three key players in your squad. Three key. and That's not being disrespectful to any other players. But as a manager, you're always going to put three players down or you want three or four players week in, week out, and you'll build your team, the rest of your team, or you'll fill up your team sheep around them. Who are your three to four players?
2: Yeah, I suppose it's maybe harder to name them than it might be at a club where all the players are so young. So, you know, we've got a lot of young players that have come up together. And a lot of those are really talented players, you know. So, these are guys who are only turning 20 this year or 18 this year or 19 this year. Um, We've got a very good goalkeeper in Simon Kilker. So, you know... Uh, Played underage for Clare at youths level, uh, has been with the club all his schoolboy life. And, uh, you know, great lad, just won't turn 18 for another two months. Uh, But terrific goalkeeper and big strong boy as well. Unusual name, Kilker? Kilker, yeah. um, His parents aren't local. uh, So they're from a a neighbouring
0: parish, they're from Quinn. Very good. Very yeah. good. Yeah, I know. Just knows the name. Okay, yeah. Simon Kilker, who so, are we answering
2: in? Uh, Jack McSweeney, who is uh, living in the village of Tulla. His mother and father and his uh, two brothers, uh, both all heavily involved in the club over the years. Uh, Jack just turned 20 this year. Uh, again, terrific player, midfield player, uh, and a very good one. And then probably, I suppose, Adam McNamara, um, who, again, very good player, just turning 18 this year, centre-back. Again, has played at uh, at underage level for Clare, 16s, uh, youths. And then maybe just the fourth one is probably Aina Kaloo. Again, local Tulla lad. Uh, really progressed last season and is a real key player for us now. And again, I suppose the Kalus are synonymous with Tulla. Brian Kaloo was... Uh, a teacher back in my day and his father Brian is uh, is the principal teacher in uh, the primary school in Tulla. so Excellent. you know the clues go back a long way and is uh, a really good one And what position does he play again? He plays out wide left or right
3: Okay uh,
1: What age is Aina Mike?
2: So uh, Aena will be uh, Aena turns 19 this year I, I'm uh,
1: flabbergasted in such a lovely way that you have basically told us 18-20, 18-19 is the spine of your team. Yeah. Uh, all going great down the line, you're set up for years to come when, if you have a good spine like that.
0: Well, I suppose the, the the one element that affects every community in Ireland is, is emigration. And I suppose, as I say, while they're going to college, they're coming back at weekends, or if it's Limerick, they're probably playing and training midweek. But as I said, the, the temptation to move abroad because of either full employment in Ireland or just to seek your ambition somewhere else, you know, as I said, you, you might lose half of them by the time 23 comes along or 24. But the thing is, you have no uh, way of guiding that. That's just the future depending on what it is. But as Luke says, I mean, it's such a well-structured base for your team to go forward. For the next three or four years, you know, the, you're going to be challenging for a cup competitions and then hopefully the league as well.
2: Yeah, and I suppose I've just named four there. I could have named another four, another six sure, or another absolutely. eight, all yeah. around the same you know age cohort. Yeah. And I suppose the challenge for us is to keep producing those good young players every year. Okay, You know, because every club whether whatever sport it is, you can produce that great crop. You know, people say, you know, the class of 92 for Man United. Yes. But are you producing it every year? Are you getting those two or three or four or five good players every year? And that's the challenge for the club and our coaches and the consistency in our coaching that we're producing those good players all the time. And then for the lads who maybe aren't quite as good as that, that there's a B team there for them. And look, inevitably, young fellas are going to travel. Thankfully, we're in a time where there's full employment. So if somebody wants to stay and if they want to get a job in Ireland, there's a great variety of jobs. We're very lucky. Beckman Coulter is on our doorstep in terms of a local employer. And then, as we were saying before, we, you know, we started our chat. Um, We're right in an area in Tulla where we're very close to Ennis, we're very close to Limerick, we're very close to Shannon, we're very close to Galway so somebody could be based there and there're literally only 45 minutes of commute up the road to go to Johnson and Johnson, v- and Johnson sure. or to go to absolutely you know, into EI and Shannon or to go you know wherever it is there are employers close by for the most ambitious of lads sure. and and then i suppose can we build the loyalty for them to stay playing football with us? Because if they do go there to work, the temptation might be to play with one of those clubs closer to them, you know, wherever they will be. And that's where that piece comes in, that but, loyalty but
1: I, piece. I, I, I think that just looking at what you have, Mike, and you start to say, you, you know, you, you've mentioned four, there's probably another four or five that are in around the same age group, all the rest of that, to have got to and be competing in the Premier at that age and they're all, you know if they're all pretty much in you know in within a year a year or two of each other i think that's a great way it's a great reflection of the club and i think it's as we alluded to earlier you the pitch the astro and <clears> he <throat> said those kids are coming up and they've come up with you over a period of years it's not as if you know lads have sort of just sort of landed in and said just I'll go over and have a look and see what Tuller are doing these are lads you've sort of nurtured all all the way up, you know, so it'd be great for you. Can I ask you, uh, without giving all the managerial secrets away, what would you pertain to be the style of play you would like to see your team play?
2: Yeah, I suppose very much we're about playing out from the back. So, you know, we take risks because, I suppose, the standard of our pitches is so good. Half our games are going to be at home. So there's no excuse for us kicking it as far away from the goal, hoping it doesn't come back again for a while. When, you know, you've got... Uh, an opportunity to put it down and play out and be constructive. Now, there's a price to be paid for that. Anyone who watched the games during the week and watched... Onana passed the ball out of the opposition centre forward, and he running the ball back into the net. If that happens at a professional level, it's going to happen at a junior soccer level. So you have to accept that young players will make mistakes, but it's a much more enjoyable game if you're passing it and you hold on to it, than it is to spend the whole game giving it away, running around trying is, to get is it, it back.
1: A, is it a harder game to coach? would say for for you, you know, for you as the manager, or, or is that the mentality that sort of is in the club from underage as well? Um, and I said, how how. How, how can you cope with that, shall I say?
2: Well, I suppose, you know, when we speak about development players, we have 50 active coaches in the club at the moment. We have a coaching coordinator in Clive Slater, and you'll be familiar with Clive, yep. Tom, who's doing a, an absolutely terrific job. And then, you know, we've got Johnny Reedy, who's over our academy. We have uh, Barry Murphy, who's heavily involved with a couple of different sides, including our junior side, and has a really good 2007 group coming through. I suppose the onus is on the coaches to coach the way the club would like and we do have a coaching manual that mentions and that lays down the way we want to play. Now at the end of the day you can't do too much reaching into every age group and saying you know you have to do this or you have to do that coaches will coach but I think from the way the adult teams are playing the young players can see the way you're expected to play and there is a challenge involved in that but it means that the more they do it at underage the more they'll be ready to play at an adult level when they,
1: you know, graduate to that at 16 or 17. And uh, before you... Yeah, out, go I'll ahead. I'll just ask one, one question. Does that permeate specifically in the Premier? Is there a difference, we'll say, between the Premier and, we'll say, the lads playing in the, thir- in the third division? Is it a bit like that, you're trying to coach this in, into everybody, but that it might be more beneficial maybe for the lads in the third, whereas in the Premier, because the grade, the grade is that bit higher that a lot of the other clubs are probably aspiring to do the same. Or is is the game that much different? You know, the, the, the approach that clubs and other managers take to how the game is played, has it adapted? You know, it, as you said, it's the, the big jack days that put them under pressure and hoofed up the pitch. I'd imagine that's probably gone for a lot of teams, is it? Or, or
2: yeah, I, I, I suppose... The way that some teams feel the only way they can compete with with the avenues and their markets is to be very direct, you know, and to be tight and defensive. And I suppose that's not something that we aspire to, you know. And there are a number of clubs that are trying to play the game very constructively. And for me... In some ways, it's easier to do that in a third division than in a premier division. You know, if you've got a good bunch of young players and all our B team players, pretty much we have a few older lads, lads in their thirties playing with the B team. But in general, it's more young lads and we're trying to get them to play the very same way. And sometimes you have more time and more space to do that against teams that aren't quite as athletic than in the premier division where, you know, it's very competitive and it's very quick and uh, if you take a second touch, then you're not going to get a third one. So I suppose it's that's the way we want our A and our B team to play. That's the way we want our underage teams to play. That's the way we're going.
0: But listen, it's a, it's a brilliant, um, I suppose, focus to have, you know, and a philosophy as well. And all I can say is that, having you in studio tonight and I know you've got coaching to go to this evening and uh, we really appreciate you coming in. You've given us a fantastic insight to what Tulley is about and we really, really appreciate it. So for our very, very first show on uh, Scariff Bay Radio, uh, thanks a million for joining us this evening. That's Mike Maloney, uh, Senior Coach with uh, Tulley United in the Premier League. Now, we're delighted to have uh, Fergus Donovan on the phone to us this evening. Uh, he is the manager of Kilkishan Celtic, who are also in the Premier League this season. Fergus, uh, thanks so million for joining us here on Scariff Bay Radio on our new soccer show. How are you
4: doing? Good, Tom, yeah.
0: Brilliant. Listen, um, can you give us a little bit of a, of, a, of a quick summary on the end of last season and how you made it into the Premier League?
4: Uh, yeah, we were in the three-horse race for the First Division last year with um, Shannon B and Shannon Hibbs. Uh, we were in the hunt to win it right up to the closing stages. We um, we lost the way to Dennis Diamond. If we'd have won that game and our remaining fixtures, we'd have won the league. But unfortunately, we lost that that night. Well, we met up for the following Sunday. We, we had a good 3-1 win away to Connolly, which uh, secured our promotion to the Premier Division for the first time in our history. So it was a great reward for the lads for a tough season, you know.
0: And I, I know from my own soccer with, with Mount Shannon Celtic that you've always had a fantastic underage setup up at Kilkishan, even when you wouldn't have had a senior team that would have been in the Premier or First Division. The underage seemed to be, let's say, a key part of the club and its foundations. Is that the same today?
4: Yeah, we the, the underage, it went for a while, but we started now recently again and um, we're delighted to have, we have five teams now this year under nines. 11s and 12s boys and under 10s and 11 girls and hopefully a growth now action of more teams you know so there's some fantastic players coming through from the village.
0: And tell me I mean Kilkishan as a, as a parish as such do you draw your players from lots of different areas in East Clare or Rennes or where does your your cohort of your squad come from?
4: Mainly from Kilkishn and O'Callaghan Mills. We, we have players from Broadford and Tulla joining us as well like but mainly from Kilkishen and O'Kelland, these would be the, the the main areas we get our players from. Yeah,
0: and tell me, has it been a, a massive attraction for let's say new players to to come and join you because of stepping up to the Premier?
4: Yeah, I suppose it would be like we, we've signed two new players now, Paul Tui and and Paddy Fitz are two two new players to come in. Like, but we've also got a few more from the village to sign for us. Um, so it, it's it's nice to be in the Premier Division. It's great to be there, really, you know, and for uh, higher level, but. It's definitely something we're looking forward to.
0: And what experience have the the two new lads that you've signed got? Let's say when it comes to the Premier.
4: Well, Patty would have played for Mount Shannon in the Premier. I know Paul would have played as well in the Premier before. And we've had Dennis Murphy plays. Well, Dennis would have played in the Premier with Tulla and Avenue in the past as well.
0: And Dennis, I, it's funny. I would have actually played against Dennis back in the day. He was a, he was yes. a young he was a young lad, and I was an older an older player, and a uh, very competitive centre back.
4: Yeah, he's a fantastic player for us. Dennis rejoined us in 2017, and we've come from the the third division up to the third Division now in the last f- uh, four three promotions, four years, like you know. And Dennis has been a mainstay of the team with us. He's also assistant the manager the last few years with me, you know. So it's fantastic that we have him back.
0: No, great. Uh, always was a great player. I mean, that's yeah, that's, but, a, that's a fantastic rise to to go through the let's say the divisions. And would you have? Most of the heart of the of the team still there that would have began in the third division, or or let's say have have lads fallen away.
4: No, we have we have a, a good few of the team that say won the we won the third division Dublin twenty nineteen. So you still have Stevie and Noel Lash, Christy Philpott Connor Henry, uh, Paul Murphy still with us. Dennis, obviously John Hagan, um, just just oh, Mark Sparky Long as well. You know, so we've a fair crew of lads from that time up, like you know, and then. A lot of, lot more than join say, in the second division, they, and they've been together since. Like you know, like we we have not lost too many in the four years.
0: And tell me, your your ground at the time that I would have been more actively involved with Mount Shannon, um, there was uh, I I think you were in danger of losing the field that you were playing in at the time. Where do where do you play your football currently?
4: We we played in our original pitch, which is um, Evas, uh, belongs to Liam, and and Orney. We're very grateful that they allow us to play there every year. We had moved up to Scart for a number of years and uh, we're happy to be back where we are now. So we're back in the heart of the village for the last, uh, start of 2017 season. We got the pitch back up and going, you know.
0: For you, and that's where your underage would be as well. I just want to bring uh, Luke in now at, the, at this stage, just for one or two things.
1: Yeah, I suppose it, it's uh, it's great to have, we'll say, East Clare teams competing uh, highly in in soccer, and to have uh, another team in the Premier is a great achievement. And as I said, I know uh, getting back getting into the Premier this year, you know, it's the first time achievement that for you, you would have, you know, been around the third and the second and uh, and the first on, on occasions as well. And yeah. I, I suppose, um, are you looking to sort of try and develop Uh, We say from a facilities point of view, you know, uh, you have the underage structures that are there now, as you said, you've a lot more teams coming on board. I I suppose we're just maybe trying to compare, you know, we'll say to the neighbours over in Tulla and, you know, they're on the go since 1970 and it's probably only in the last five, six years that the the total fruits of what they have been doing for that period of time is coming to fruition, you know, and they're back in the Premier now as well. And I, I'm sure there'll be a few testy derbies and Eastlair derbies coming up in, in, in the near future for us to look forward to. And we'll have to get a reporter or two down, down, down to inform. But we'll say. Uh, what what is we'll say you know the the strength uh, of it's all look it's all voluntary we all we all know that uh, are you looking to maybe try and develop facilities down the line or uh, is that something that's not on the agenda at the minute
4: uh, down down the line we would like we're very happy where we are at the moment and um, we also have the the school astronaut has being developed into it's actually I'm making a it bigger now this summer with floodlights, so that'll be a, an area where we can also train too you know so we're happy looking at the facilities at the moment but we will down
1: the line we'd have to look at it again yeah yeah and I suppose actually having the Astro I presume that that's going to be beneficial we'll say all around because it will mean you have your younger players will be able to sort of play year round you might be able to train year round as well and I, I I think like most places now in East Clare it's not like how things used to be years ago there's a bit more sharing and caring and that facilities are more open to people of different codes as well so I presume you don't have too many issues from that point of view
4: no, no, and once this Astros is expanded, I'll be training, there is no floodlights down there at the moment. But the plan is to have floodlights in there next year, you know. So recently we've been training in Gortin, uh on the astro over the winter months for the last, I suppose, five or six years now.
1: Okay,
0: yeah. It's funny, Fergus. Um, Speaking of rivalry, whenever there was a fixture in Mount Shannon, Celtic forces Tulla, it was always considered a kind of a local derby. And we never really considered it because we always had a fantastic relationship with Tulla. And also, proximity wise to Tulla, it wasn't like as if it was Scaraf and Mount Shannon. You know, it was, there, was yeah. a, there, were, there was a, a how do you say, there were always tough matches, but there was rarely yeah. a goal between us. Is it the same with Kilkishan because of your proximity?
4: Look, we always have a good relationship with Tuller and um, also it's Bridge United. Like you know, Tuller are four miles up one side, and Bridge United are five mi- miles down the other side. So, we're going to have four interesting derbies with them now this year in the league too.
0: Oh yeah, I for, completely forgot about Bridge. So you're you're kind of piggy in the middle, so to speak. So yeah, you're, you're... yeah,
4: and and Ryan Rovers would have been our our uh, derbies last year. I would say Ryan are only five miles over the road as well. Like you know, they they're in the first division now. But yeah, we've there's a few derbies all around us. Like and again, look, they're all competitive. They're are all great clubs as well. Like, and we enjoy playing them. Like, and there's there's always fierce rivalry. But like, at the end of the day, everyone wants to win. But you still remain good friends, you know.
1: Very good. I suppose squad wise and numbers wise, um, we'll say whereabouts. We we'll say for for your premier team. We'll say what, what type of squad numbers. We'll say ha- have you to to pick from, we we'll say, on a week-by-week week basis. And I I presume you probably have, uh, we we'll say with the Hurling side of things, coming to a conclusion soon, you might have a few lads more available, we'll say, in the future as well.
4: Yeah, yeah. We've, about 30 altogether signed. So, weekday, like, you know, you're not going to have everybody there every week, you know what I mean? Like, last year, we were kind of going to games with roughly between 17 and 20 every game, which is fantastic. And you need that, you know? Yeah,
0: and tell me if you were about to if you were going to put your money in a horse now. Give us give us your three key players in your in your squad. Three to four key players that you would write down week in week out if you had them available.
4: Oh, um, Aiden Fall, uh, Connor Henry, and Mark Pewter.
0: Aiden Fall. Where does Aiden play?
4: They don't, Aiden would play on, on left wing mainly or mid central mid, you know. And Connor Henry then is a fantastic striker for us. Fantastic! Like Connor's been with us now for a good, good number of years, and just a fantastic player.
0: Perfect. So you got Aiden, Fall Connor, Henry, and who was our? our
4: Mark Mark Mark's are. our captain. He's actually joined captain this season with Paul Toohey So Mark who played left back for us or left left wing. Another fantastic player. Mark had played for Bridge United for a number of years. They came back to us in twenty twenty. We came back, and he's been with us from the through the second division, the first division, now into the Premier Division. And another good player. Oh, well, listen. As I said, we've got very good for Afghanistan, But they, they, be a to spring to mind straight away. You
0: know. Very good. I've listened, as I said, just because I've, I've, I've asked for three, as I said. You, yeah. you, could, you could ask for if you had six, you'd maybe. I could, I could six. give a lot
1: more. A lot more. cuz the fantastic squad. There, in fairness, you know, the fantastic squad. So well, I'm it, looking forward. It's, to. it's great. Uh, I'm just thinking to, to have uh, a squad of thirty signed up. That's, that's, that's fabulous, you know, for any team, I would say. In East oh, Europe yeah. To have. I mean, our boys in Mount Shannon
0: Celtic, we'd love to have 30 players signed up yeah. and they don't have even close to that. Yeah,
1: you know, because it, it means that, you know, there are going to be weekends if there's lads in college or, you know, lads are away or different bits and pieces. But if you said, if you were, if you would squads of up to 20 players a game, if you're playing on a Sunday a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, if you can have that that number of players available to you, it it obviously makes a big difference, you know from the point of view of you know a game mightn't be going well and you sort of say, "Look, we need to change this up and or, instead of having one lead on the sideline, who sort of might be on a gammy ankle that you didn't want to really bring on, you know that you you have you have those options there to bring subs on but what what um what what would be your preferred sort of style of play? That 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 you're trying to encourage, we'll say, for the lads to play. Are are you four four two three five one or some other combination that I, I haven't uh, uh, been kept up to date with. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's varied, but, uh, we see sometimes vary, but
4: four four two would be our preferred option. Like we like to attack. Like we would like to be sitting back and defending. Obviously, you will have times in this division with a couple of, of teams you might have to do that. Like, but overall, we'd like to we like to go and attack teams. You know,
0: and, and go go for the game ourselves like. Fergus, I know you're you're caught for time and I really appreciate you taking the call this evening. As I said, you, you were you were rang um how do you say this afternoon very late to be asked to come on, on the show tonight. So I really, really appreciate it. As I said, it's our first show with regards to Scariff Bay Radio and Clare Soccer that we're that we're launching this weekend. So we really, really appreciate it. And listen, um if you had one hope for the season ahead in the premier, what would it be?
4: Well, our, our first goal is to maintain our status. Anything after that is, is a bonus, like you But our first year ever up there, we gladly take um, survival first off, and I said anything after that, we'll take it too, you know.
0: Listen, that's um, it's fantastic you've joined us tonight. Thanks a million for that, and look, no um, enjoy the rest of your weekend and the best of luck with the match on Sunday. Thanks very much. Thank you. Cheers, Fergus. Thanks a million. Bye. Like all good parties we keep the best wine to last. And now in our presence, we've got Oren Scanlon and William Glass and Cullum Kavanagh. Now I need to find out who does what at Mount Shannon Celtic Football Club. William, are you the trainer? Are you the manager or another?
3: <laughs> I'm just a player. I'm trying to be as much of a player as possible. I believe you're
0: a bit of a how would you say, have you got a have you got a new coach on board this season as well as long as along as, as we, we, we do, yourself? we
3: do. We have a fella in from Limerick, he's familiar around the area because he works in the adventure centre with me down the road, Dergile. Okay. Uh Brian Crofton, he's he's a very good coach, he knows his stuff. He's trained Anacati in the past and he's really brought a different atmosphere to the team, a more professional atmosphere, okay. considering what we've come from. Very good.
0: And Tommy, Colin Cavanagh, you have been around Mount Shannon Celtic for a long, long time. I know you right back to when you were a seventeen or even a sixteen-year-old playing 16, for Mount 16, Shannon. Tommy. So you're back in the management team again here at Mount Shannon. This time in the first division.
5: First division, yeah. We got uh, really good last year, so we're kind of uh, where we're at. Where we're at, we were comfortable in the first division, whereas we kind of weren't in the Premier League. Like we weren't set for it yet. So this year, pre-season has been very good. So we're hoping to push on, get our hurlers back, and go for a promotion. What do you think, William?
3: Yeah, I think yeah. that's definitely the the goal, anyways. But we'll take game by game. Yeah. As it comes.
0: Well, you always have to have an aim, and I believe, uh, William, you were playing in a foreign league last year, and you've returned to the Clare League. Is that true?
3: Yeah. Yeah. But that's,
0: that's worth his weight in gold, because Oren Scanlon there, he, he knows how much dedication means to a club, and to have you back now is, you know, is brilliant.
3: Oh yeah, well, it's it's something I was kind of missing when I was playing in Limerick, I wasn't seeing my friends as much, Okay, and it was more of a, it was, it was probably more serious than what I came from in Mount Shannon, but there's definitely pros and cons to both, and it's great to be back with the lads I grew up playing football with.
0: And tell me, when when you were playing in Limerick, were you playing up front or were you playing midfield? Where were you playing?
3: I was playing up front, yeah. I was playing up front, front two.
0: Okay. And would you be, let's say, would you be hoping to, to kind of hit the heights of last year playing for Mount Shannon this year in the First Division? Are you playing up front again? Did you start up front this year so far?
3: Um, yeah, I've started up front. We've played a few Shield games. Like We've done well as a team. We've created a nice few chances. It's just about, I suppose, capitalising and putting the ball in the back of the net. I think... Um, I think uh, that's the main thing for us now, it's just kind of to get that rust away from last year okay. and just kind of bring, like I said, Brian's bringing in uh, a more professional aspect to it, like me and Colum will tell you, like we haven't seen Mount Shannon being trained like this in years, so it's great to have I that.
5: I'd say nearly since his father, because it's, it's like, Gary Deere did an unbelievable job, that goes without saying, Do you know, over the last few years, like, Keeping the club Mark, Mac, Andy Mac, yourself even, Tom. Do you know, but Brian has brought a different aspect. He's brought a great pre-season. We've hadn't had it in a long time. Like, we started six weeks before the first league game, our league cup game, and training has been very good. But hurling dictates a lot for us, like, with players missing and, you know, you're going... We haven't had the same squad or the same lineup two games in a row, and we've, what, nearly eight games played is in shield games and friendlies and stuff like that, so it's hard to get a consistency, but we're hoping to get that now in the next few weeks with hurlers coming back, and hopefully not too soon if Scarf going to win the championship, but look at, we're we're training hard, Brian is excellent, he's an excellent, excellent coach, he brings something different to it completely, and lads are enjoying it, I think,
3: Mm. and tell mm.
5: me have you, have you lost an awful lot of players uh, from
0: last season or have you gained players
3: we've probably we've, we've, we've definitely, gained, yeah, gained definitely, gained definitely gained players gained by by a, by a few Thomas yeah, we did gained a nice few players
0: it's funny when we were speaking earlier on to uh, Fergus Donovan he mentioned a familiar name in a player that had joined them and Paddy Fitz was the name and I said to myself Paddy Fitz how many Paddy Fitz could there be in these yeah. players is that the same Paddy Fitz now that played for Mount Shannon
5: Celtic yeah uh, I think he's on the books there.
3: Yeah. I don't. I that's I I, I, th- I think that's. I I I think it's still up for debate. I don't think he is signed from. but right. We'll see. He might. He might. They might think he's signed, but I don't know. Paddy's yeah. a good lad. I don't think he'd. He'd change his colours that quick. Okay, well that Petty, was a news
5: Paddy int- usually takes a few weeks off after hurling. So. Right. So I see, kind of incubation period.
0: We're hoping, correct, I see. (laughs) And tell me something, when it comes to um, getting your best team out, let's say, would you have the same problem that Sam Allardyce had when he was over Limerick FC? Or Limerick City, he used to trawl the That's pubs. That's our time, Tom. Well, it, he used to trawl the pubs of Limerick on a Saturday <laughs> night to make sure his players weren't out and about and they'd be available for for Sunday morning kickoff. I mean, it's it's a tough one because you we are in a very rural setting, and as I said, lads will go out and you know is that discipline there?
3: Uh, well, there's there's a few scamps in it like yeah, well, yeah. you have the likes of Ronan Dooley he's a <laughs> bit of a ball pup like but you have, yeah you have the likes of Dooley Ben Harrington the young lads it's what you'd expect but you kind of hope like as we get more professional or not professional but as we get more you know like as we get more uh well, disciplined
0: in really speed, in in then every then
5: aspect
3: we'll uh, hopefully get that out but of it's
5: it. it's way more disciplined now. Because lads are looking after themselves way better okay. than when we were playing, Tom. Yeah, sure. I will do know do You know, like you, you know yourself. Some of us used to come from the pub nearly two hours before a match. Well, it, was, now, it wasn't l- me or you. Now, uh, yeah. Colum, can I just say? I no names mentioned.
0: <laughs> but well, you know, but the, it's
5: just gone so professional. Well, not professional, but it's so lads are taking care of themselves way more. Like they're actually, do you know, well, they, they're not doing that anymore. Like.
0: Well, th- I mean, the thing is, one of the managers earlier on was saying how much you're as likely to see a guy walking the street of Tulla or Kilkishn with a bottle of water as you would with a bottle yeah. of a can or whatever, because, again, the same thing applies. Lads are just looking after themselves much better. From it. And, of course, strength and conditioning is coming into it as well, so there's, a, there's an overall, how do you say, yeah, there's an overall... Um, project going on with your own body and your training and all the bits and pieces and young youth isn't what it was, let's say, years ago. Tell me something about injuries and so forth. Um, Do you find there's more injuries today than when we were playing back in the 90s and 2000s? There seems to be. I mean, you look at Eric Ten Hag with Manchester United and William, we know you're a Manchester United fan. Right? I know it's a bit of a, a long-suffering for the
5: last for 10 years. Well, that's
0: all I'm saying. But the thing is, Ten Hag is having an awful lot of issues with injuries. So is it a case that the way players are training today, their footwear, what would you, what's your own personal opinion on that compared to... Because I can never remember too many serious injuries when we were playing back in the 90s.
3: Mm, uh, I think there's definitely... There's nothing with the technology. I think people are just going a bit more mollycoddled and soft, to be honest. I think that's the bottom line. I think everyone's more pampered now, and they're more likely to pull up with an injury and quit. Yeah, well, it's, it's a, a good,
0: it's a good point.
5: I yeah, mean, and that's just you, you, me. No, imagine telling in class that you're a small little bit of a pain in the like back <laughs> of leg. No, I don't think it would be a, a yeah, accepted. Well, no. no, nowadays it is. Oh, it okay. is. It's just, it's just the way it is. You know, as Williams says, they're a small a bit softer now. Like. Well then this leads
0: me into my next question Okay If you had four players out of your current squad with Manchel and Celtic that would be key players right they would be the spine of your team in so many different ways we've asked this question to both Kilkishan and Tulla, and they've mentioned three to four players each what are the four players that you would say and that's not being disrespectful to any other player including the gentleman that's sitting there in silence in the studio here because he would obviously I, I
5: think I'll answer that one William Bourne Michael Barrett. So William Glass, Oral Scanlon. Michael Barrett. Michael Barrett. If the four of them were missing, we'd have a serious problem. And can I point out one thing? There
0: doesn't seem to be a kind of a, a new, new name there from a point of view of... Let's say young players coming through. I'm not saying that William isn't young, but I'm just saying out of those four, with some some of the other teams, let's say, would have had established players, but also one or two eighteen or nineteen year olds well, that we've would, ha- that we've, would be key. But they're eighteen, nineteen.
5: But we've had them uh, through the preseason, and but Hurlan has taken them from us. Okay, they've came for they've been out of their minor championship and now they're training for under twenty one. Okay. so we really haven't got the benefit of are youth yet, like the likes of Michael Hefford and Harry Borgenberger, Max Borgenberger. Do you know we haven't got the okay. the max out of them yet? They're all 17, 18, 19. So we're hoping. Look at they've got they're they're playing other sports like so they're playing in hurling and that
3: comes first to them. Okay, right. and you know,
0: when it comes to, when it comes to key positions, is there anywhere that you that you feel you're struggling with currently?
3: Well, we have um Colt Maloney and Park Brody playing in the team and they're two of our best players week in, week out, usually, like, Baron yeah. none, probably. Like, and they're both, I think, <laughs> Brody must be, be at 20 least, ages. Uh, at least no 25. Ages. Brody should be they're twi- over, they're over They're over 20, just say that. <laughs> they're over 20, anyways. But, um, yeah, those two lads are brilliant and they're kind of, like, Colt is like an outstanding midfielder and without him... Like you said, he's just a diff. He's he he was brought up hard. He's able to he's able to get stuck Tineci, in. And yeah, he, he's not bit, afraid yeah, of a yeah. challenge. Like, mm. and it's something we would be missing missing if he was out of the out of the match day squad.
0: Okay, and tell me, last season you missed probably one of Mount Shannon's best goalkeepers in recent years, Andy O'Dwyer. Is any chance of Andy coming back into the fray this no, season?
5: I was talking to Andy. Andy is with St. Patrick's, is St. It? Patrick's, yeah. he's playing
3: a fairly high level of football. In Dublin, in Like Dublin. He's,
5: he got player of the season last year. So Excellent. So, he's. He, they played in the FAI Cup this year. Okay. They, they lost, I, don't, I forget who he said. Yeah. But uh, we're struggling with that position at the moment. Okay. You know, we've got a good young lad there. Yeah, uh, Kyle, Kyle, is, Kyle is coming through and Very we're going to work on him and... He's a bit shy at the moment, but we're going to get there with you,
0: do you know? Brilliant, brilliant. And tell me, if you were to say what your, as I say, your kind of aspirations are for the for the season ahead, is it mid-table, is it uh, going for the title, is it developing the team, is it, do you know, what's, but, it, what's, it, what's it going to be? Because like you were saying, it's all about a different style of training, a more serious style, a more... For want of a better word, professional style, but definitely to to up the standard in the overall preparation.
3: It, I think the long term goal is obviously to up the standard. That's obviously the long term goal. But uh, league position wise, I think we'll just take it game by game. And we'll see how we do. Mm. And um, like we know, when we go out like with our strongest squad with with all our boys back, we know we can beat anyone in the league. But it's just having that squad every week. You know, you mightn't get. The will rub
0: the green you know yeah it's not going to be easy the first division has always been dog dod it's a, a hard end. division it is a very hard division because
5: you've you've, you've Newmarket B you've Shannon B and Avenue B th- and Avenue B well no Avenue B I, I'm not sure about Avenue B but them two teams are just they're bringing class players into the division like we've played Newmarket twice this year they're they're class team like so for a B team so the, our if you don't have a goal at the start of the year, you might as well. Sure, I'd be hoping we'd be in the running for promotion. Okay. But as Williams says, we'll take game by game and we have to start our first. I think going by the Master list, we're on probably next weekend against Rhine Rovers, I think away. But look so at
0: Optimistic yeah. first three points of the season. Hopefully, yeah. Makes sense. Excellent. Well, listen, with those uh, encouraging words from manager Colm Cavanagh and first team coach and striker William Glass and uh, Oren in company with us uh, this evening. Thanks very much for joining us, lads. And uh, we'll talk very soon. Thank you very much. Now, we've got, um, how can I say, a legend joining us here, both in media and also in football knowledge, Mr. Jim Madden, former PRO of the Clare League and former chairman of the Clare League. Good evening, Jim. How are you doing?
6: Uh, Very well, Tom, and I'm delighted to be talking to the people up in East Clare and uh, that you're going to do in a regular sports slot for Clare Soccer as well very much uh, appreciated and it's something that I'm glad to see and delighted to see
0: you doing that as well. Well, do you know what? The dark side of the moon often, how do you say, has its moment. So that's where where we're at now at the moment, do you see? Ah. So we can't all be, uh, how do you say, be proud of the the Cliffs of Moher and the Burren and all the bits and pieces. We have to bring it over to East Clare from time to time and we kick a football over here like you well know, Jim. And of course, we have a very established club uh, in Tully United with fantastic facilities So I think we can play it with the big boys. Uh,
6: You can indeed. And I mean, uh, Mount Shannon have had a long career and uh, history in the game as well. And they're just, you're now in the first division, but that's not a problem. Uh, The first division is extremely competitive, but it does allow the club to rebuild a bit. And uh, hopefully we see you back in the top level. But basically, uh, the top half of the first division would be very good this season.
1: I, I think Jim I'll just put in the line there I think Mount Shannon are just taking a break and letting Kilkishan go up and sort of see what the the, the, the the bright lights are like up in the Premier and we, we, we wish them and Tulla the very best in, in the league we'll say in the Premier for this year but listen we want to sort of start with a general chat and just talk about the state of um, the state of affairs in Clare Soccer and the league in general and th- there's an issue um, in relation to sort of games taking place Place and it's nothing to do with the actual teams or the players. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Uh,
6: yes, we, we, have a, we have a problem with the availability of referees at the moment. And as a result, uh, you'll see from the league table that there's a lot of teams with only just one game played, which is very, very unusual when we're now approaching the middle of October, despite FAI games and all of that. At the minute, the fixture secretary, Dean Russell, he said he's only able to fix or appoint uh, referees to one game in each of the divisions, uh, as well as the FAI and Munster games, which are ongoing. There's also, uh, some clubs now are looking for, say for a game that might be extremely competitive, like this weekend, Bridge United are playing Avenue United in the Munster Junior Cup second round. And uh, it appears that they're, they're both of those clubs, they have felt that they would like to have a, a three-man team, which would be a referee and two assistants. And that's what they've got. Now, of course, that takes a couple of people out of the uh, normal run of uh, things that's happening. Um, we do need the clubs to start getting uh, involved and nominate candidates to become referees. And uh, just to make it uh, quite clear, uh, referees in player soccer, they have a fee for every game, plus travelling expenses as well. And while there is often talk about uh, the abuse and whatever that goes on, the FAI have now issued very clear guidelines. And that will be dealt with in a more professional status on this coming Monday night when we have a seminar in the West County when FAI people will be there. But talking to referees, uh, they feel that refereeing two games on a Sunday is making the, this, the day very long from a family point of view. And an experienced referee suggested to me at, at the early part of this week. That maybe we should look at the morning start to be a bit earlier, maybe 10.30, and then have the second game at maybe 1 o'clock, which would mean the referee would be on his way home by 3pm and wouldn't lose all day Sunday with regard to um, family life and that kind of thing. I think that would be very acceptable to all clubs. There might be clubs that might be a little bit difficult on a a Sunday morning, and the referee suggested that we could stick with 11 o'clock for that because the referee would more than likely be only doing that game, say if that was in Scarra for Kilrush, the places that are removed from uh, Ennis, Shannon, Six Mile Bridge and Newmarket.
1: Jim, can I just ask you... um... In relation to that, what is the selection numbers-wise of referees? We'll say that the league would have to pull from. We'll say uh, over the course of a weekend, if everyone was available.
6: Well, if everybody was available, we'd want uh, we'd want to be well into uh, the 15, 16
1: referees. Okay, and we're nowhere and near at the that actually. We have about eight active referees on any given Sunday. Okay, and then if somebody's on holidays or if they're on leave or That's if they're traveling right. This they're weekend, saying, yeah. uh, there's a number of referees of weeks.
6: And that has to be built in as well, because referees have families, they have family lives, they have jobs, and uh, it, it is important that uh, we respect that and that we make it uh, that, that they are able to be flexible. And that has happened over the years, as Tom will we well know, that uh, we have always been flexible with referees. However, as there was pointed out to me the other day, it's been quite a number of seasons since we've had any real influx of new referees. The clubs can qu- complain all they like about, oh, the, we, we don't have, why aren't we having matches and that? If you're not having a match, it means that you, you, we don't have referees. And the clubs have a responsibility, in my opinion here, to nominate people to referee uh, games and the referees will be trained properly and they will, as long as they fill in a proper match report, we will deal with any disciplinary issues. And that is very, very important that they know that that they are covered. They also, uh, as I said, they get a match fee. They don't have to wait for the end of the season or anything like that for it. They get it on the day, plus uh, a travelling allowance as well. And I gather that that may be looked at at the minute because of rising costs.
3: Yeah,
0: it's, Jim, it's kind of, I suppose life has given us a perfect storm in in lots of ways, in the sense that people are working probably longer, they're probably working at different hours. Their lifestyle has become, um, I suppose, different in the last maybe five to ten years. Even with regards to COVID, things have probably changed. There's probably a value, um, let's say, at weekends when it comes to family life that wasn't there before um, from a point of view of your, your your Sundays and the pressure that the male or female referee would come under from their partner or spouse, let's say, to do something with the family because they would be working. On a Saturday, that more and more people are working on Saturdays, and the second thing is uh, VAR and technology has stepped up so much when it's come to soccer, not in the uh, completely um, uncontroversially uh, based on what we saw last weekend with the Premier League over in over in England. But I don't know how attractive it is anymore to become. A referee. It's a bit like the priesthood, you know? I mean, the priests were struggling a few years ago as well. Care, careful,
1: though. Careful, <laughs> though.
0: <laughs> but no, in, in the sense that looking at alternatives, and I do agree with you that where you have a club and you have people that would be willing to go ahead and get trained up as referees, absolutely, definitely. But equally so, the level of respect shown to them by players and the line, both, let's say, the watching fan and also management, you know, has to be adhered to. And, uh, you know, you're not going to have one situation progress um, without the other one.
6: Uh, no, uh, there is no doubt that uh, I, we had a discussion earlier on with somebody. And uh, I mean, the thing that I think that is very, very important, first of all, players, I think, anyway, at management, they'd like to see more consistency uh, between uh, across the divide, the referees, for want of a better word. Now, what I did suggest that that is that the referees probably need a more a bit more education in regard to uh, how they referee the game, and that they have some set standards uh, for how they referee. There's also, I think that's a, I think that can be let, uh, missing at the minute, is that. Respect is a two-way street and in my book that the referees have to respect the players because the players are going out and doing it voluntary, they're training, they're putting in the effort and I think that the referees shouldn't treat adult players or even youth players as if they're children and uh, raising their voice or anything like that to them. So, uh, as I did say earlier in the discussion, that the word respect, I think COVID has mis- is missing a little bit in Irish society, and maybe society everywhere, but we're only worried about society here in Ireland and in Fair. And basically, we have got to get back to the idea that both sides are respected and their respect for each other. That has to be the criteria that referees and players and management uh, have to look at the thing. Everybody has a responsibility.
1: Jim, can I ask you, um, and not just maybe from a clear point of view, I, I presume this could be an issue maybe in other um, counties and around the country as well, but what role do the FAI take in trying to be proactive in relation to looking uh, to try and get people to, you you know, people that maybe just, you know, they they don't make it as a player or they're nearing the end of their career and sort of saying to them, look, you you might have been involved in this, you have the best knowledge of the game, would you like to become a referee? Are there any decent courses out there are are there any you know you, you've referred to the fact that there, there is compensation available for anyone that sort of takes it up so I, I suppose you could say what's the difference between a referee and a play, and a player well the, the 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 player is doing it all voluntary the the ref would be sort of getting compensated try and keep an eye on all the people that are doing it voluntary and that's probably how it should be but is there anything we'll say at well, at a national level that has been done there there are,
6: there are uh, courses held more on a regional basis to cut, cut out travelling and that. Now, the, the problem it has been in the last couple of years with us in the in Clare has been that the number of people volunteering to take part in these courses has been very, very low. That means that it's very hard to bring somebody in to do a course if the number of candidates that are coming in is in very low single figures.
1: Well, Jim, two, could, I, could, could, could I just maybe make a sort of a stupid suggestion, as I'm prone, prone to do? To have people that are coaching the club requires uh, coaching courses to be done. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And every club is supposed to have a set number of people that have those courses done?
6: Uh, that is true as well. There is big criteria now about managing uh, Players and particularly with any kind of if the players are um, youth players as we would call them under eighteen, should uh, safety I, I, yeah. and guard of vetting and all of that. Yeah. Now I, I that presume that that's is now mandatory.
1: Yeah, that's taken a while to come in, Jim, and I'm sure there was a little has. bit of opposition to that coming up along the way. But surely, should the next phase to it not be that each club has to try and put, or you know, we'll say that Clare. Clare Soccer has to put forward X number of uh, people to be trained as referees Uh,
6: Yes and that's down to the clubs to nominate the people because remember the league itself cannot or doesn't have the whatever to go out and say to people we want you to referee or apply, for instance people just don't do that so basically what it means is you need somebody, uh, an ex-player at a club that. Might say, well, okay, I'll give it a couple of years. But that hasn't been happening in any great number, hasn't been happening at all, we might say, over the last number of years. We need to get back to that. Uh, Back in the day when Tom would have been playing, he would have known every referee. There would have been a lot of referees around or a good number. And we would always have had a fairly full league programme. On every weekend.
1: Yeah, but if you now, if you made it mandatory, Jim, that for you know if you say if you just said for argument's sake, if if you've ten teams in the Premier, that you say between the Premier teams, they eight they they have to put eight people forward between them to train as referees, for, well, you know, for a period of time. Make it mandatory because. The way that you've, you've referred to it, it's like you know, we'd all like to have refs and all the rest of it, but if there's nothing there to sort of you know, you have to be man, you have to have mandatory qualifications to be a coach, you have to have mandatory qualifications to be able to deal with underage people. The clubs yep. now, should there not be a responsibility put on them? Or Tom's probably go- looking at me here now with the dagger eye, and he's probably going to sort of uh, give out to me forward. but should the clubs not be putting people forward and saying, Right, we we have. If we have forty people, if we have fifty people in our club, that for every fifty people in a club, one has to be a qualified knee. Re- yeah, should that I, not be how I it
6: feel, goes? I uh, uh, that uh, Luke, that basically I did submit a bit of a, a little piece to the papers this weekend, and the champion used it. Uh, what it said was, due to the shortage of referees and requests to appoint three match officials for games, it is vital that clubs nominate candidates, either male or female, to take up refereeing. There are now strict rules in place to deal with abuse and I also mentioned the fee per game and who they should contact. Um, I, 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 I feel that the league isn't strong enough in the criteria for being, say, in the Premier League or in the first division, because I think that both of those are interlinked. The premier, it's, you get promoted from the first division to the premier league. You get relegated from the premier league to the first division. And I think the first and second, uh, the premier and first divisions should be linked with regard to the responsibility to uh, nominate candidates for referees.
1: And you alluded there, Jim, to the fact that uh, some clubs, due to the nature of the games that they're playing, have requested, we'll say, for lines men and, as well. Yeah. I, I would say, I, I, hopefully, down the line, there'll be lines wi- women as well. I hope that doesn't sound come across as two sexes. But surely that should be an avenue that we'll say the league and clubs should be looking at. That you may have people that would be involved, you know, they, they mightn't be fully committed to maybe being the person in the middle. But that they'd sort of say, yeah, I I'd, I'd run the line, and you know yeah. I'd be prepared to run the line, get a bit of training, you know exactly in how it does, yeah. and that, then that they could supplement the people that will say if there is a big game or a derby on, and that you have the main person in the middle is the main ref, and then that they'd have a they'd have a good level of people on on the line, you know, rather than having to pluck someone out of the crowd, and that would mean that the people on the line that would previously have been refing games would be available to go back and ref their games.
6: Well, I mean, Luke, that's a very sensible uh, proposal, but um, you have this thing about we, we have to, I mean, there's no doubt that we will have to come up with some solution, and that could be one way of doing it in that, say, for instance, but can you imagine that if that game next Sunday that has the three men, uh, the Bridge and Avenue, if, if both of those clubs nominated uh, linesmen, And there was any contentious decision, and God knows there will be plenty, that if the linesman on one side that unfortunately was where the contention was, and he was, say, from the bridge or avenue, the man or or the person will get it on the neck. And that's not what you, you want people to be exposed to. It would be, if there was, say, for instance, that match and you had somebody from Tuller Architects that were capable of doing the job. Well, then they could travel into the bridge, uh, get some uh, ex- travelling expenses, and do the, the the line for the official
0: referee. Jim, um, is this something that other counties are facing as well, or is it just Claire?
6: No, it's not. It's not only Clare. There's there's serious issues facing the junior game across the board. Uh, some of it is to do with uh, clubs that are struggling to feed teams now. Uh, a lot of it is due to uh, the fact that there is so many alternatives there for players and the fact that uh, Gaelic Games is now virtually 12 months of the year.
0: Yeah, that, that certainly has had an impact. Tell me, Jim, will you give us a quick summary of the Premier League first division and let's say second and third of the knowledge that you have in relation to the start of the season and speaking of of clubs we believe cool got a little bit of um how do you say a hiding against was it Newmarket or Avenue United avenue possibly last of them. Last Sunday, um, yeah. Mount Shannon had the same thing, uh, how do you say, in last year's uh, Premier League. Is there a massive divide now between the top two or three and the rest?
6: There, there is indeed. I mean, in, in, uh, if I'm looking at the Premier League here, uh, Avenue now are top. They have played four games. Uh, David Russell is very proactive in making sure they play a game every weekend. Newmarket Celtic have only uh, played one and they have uh, another game they've got to walk over, which is their fault. They have six points. Shannon Town then have only played one game and they have three points from that. Lifford are in the same boat with one. Kilkishan have played two and have one point. Kilrush Rangers have played two and have a point. And then Tulla, Bridge United and Cool are all pointless. The first division then is headed by Newmarket Celtic B. But they have just played one game and they have three points. They won that. Ennis Dons are in the same boat. And Shannon Olympic have also played only one. All three of those. They're followed then by Bonratti, Inch, Moher, Sporting Ennis Diamond and Ryan Robers, And Shannon Town B and Mount Shannon who all are pointless. Now, the fact that they have only played really one game each is an indictment of the problem at the position at the moment. You remember from your time that uh, clubs at this stage of the season would at least have played three, if not four league matches, plus their Munster Junior or FAI commitments. This really does make it difficult, I think anyway, for the finishing of the season and around Christmas when clubs want a bit of time off as well. The second division is much the same. Uh, All the teams there have either played one and Hermitage have played two and that's the size of it. Uh, And then there's a club, Manus Celtic have played none. Uh, The third division, Callen, from uh, up in North Clare and Moloch have played two. Uh, They have uh, six points. Shannon Olympic B, have only played one and they have won in that as well. And Shannon Town, uh, C. Have uh, three points from one game, and Tulla B are in the same boat from two games. So the number of games played is very, very low for the number of teams that we have spread across the county.
0: And tell me, was the um, did they have a league cup prior to the league? They Manchester did have a starting? league
6: cup. Now the league cup is fine for the first, and second, and third division. But unfortunately, there was a a, 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 a a vote taken as an EGM, which should never have been called to decide it a week before the league was due to start that they would bring in the League Cup. All the clubs had a vote in it, and it only had, uh, 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 was for the Premier, and some of the Premier teams uh, couldn't weren't, allowed, weren't able to get a postponement, so they could speak to their committees. As a result, they were forced into having to play Probably Hugh Kelly Cup. I thought it was a dreadful lack of respect to the Hugh Kelly tournament, considering what Hugh Kelly has done for Clare Soccer when he was a manager at Bunratty, he was a manager at Avenue, and he managed Clare to win their first ever F. Oscar trainer, if you remember, down in Mally I do, Cale, I do. I, remember, I that, remember Hugh. Um, yeah. I found anyway, and I, Hugh and myself were very good friends. Uh, I acted as kind of liaison for him. My job, as he said, was to look after food, the jerseys and buses. And I did that for the, for a couple of years. And then we won the Oscar trainer, which was an absolutely brilliant day. And uh, okay, we've won it twice since under Donny Garrahy, who has taken over as manager again. But it was a different competition uh, later years because in the time that you won us, we had to play something like eight games.
0: And uh, on reflection, Jim, was that um, final played in the Newtown Grounds in Shannon at the time? It was, yes. That's right. And
6: that pitch is now, the player. The school boys league were offered that. The, the team that had that at the time was Newtown FC, who you would have known. That's right. Uh, they folded, they amalgamated with Hibbs and Park Rangers to play in Limerick. As a result, the pitch was allowed to go derelict. Uh, it was offered to the School Buys League and the Junior League at a very low uh, fee to take on the lease. Both of them refused it, mainly motivated by clubs in Ennis who didn't want to travel to Shannon. And now it's the home of Clare Cricket.
0: Wow. Well, there's something you don't find And I was every there
6: day. for the first game uh, because I was very involved at the, with Newtown at the beginning when they were uh, allocated this pitch. You remember there was good dressing rooms there back in the day. There was a fine pitch, well fenced in. I could not believe that the clubs in Ennis, the bulk of whom depend on local authority pitches other than Avenue and Lifford, uh, voted against taking over the Valley Casey facility.
0: Yeah, no, an absolute travesty. I remember playing on the pitch. Actually, there was several pitches in that in that there space. There were three pitches there. There were several yeah. pitches, and I I remember playing against Mister Rock as well. God, he's 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 uh, he's long departed us, but he was fifty one yeah. and he was playing fullback for 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 Newtown, I think it was at the time Newtown B at the time, that's and he right. was fullback. And of at course, end. there
6: was uh, other people as well, Tommy McDade, and that's right, all of those guys. Uh, you know, it was a club that had a colourful history, a um, successful history, but they got this figgery that they, they wanted to move into Limerick. And then uh, when the league uh, shut them, uh, what's the word, refused to give them permission to move to Limerick, they decided to amalgamate with Park Rangers who were already in Limerick. And uh, out of that then became a club called uh, Shannon Hibbs, which today has no adult team.
0: And if recollection serves me right, there was a notorious chairman on the Clare League at the time. Was it Jim Madden that was the, the chairman of the Clare League around that time?
6: Uh, yes, I was. And I tell you know, <laughs> I fought tooth and nail to keep Newtown in Clare. I remember. I traveled I remember. to Dublin up times to... Uh, uh, that, that time, the FAI's head office was in, in Square, I think, was it? And uh, I also went to... Um, down to Turner's Cross in Cork with the Munster Football Association. Uh,
0: eventually, I got overruled. That's right. No, I remember it well, Jim. I remember it
1: well. Now, but, Jim, well, I, I suppose we should say Clare soccer's loss is Clare's cricket's gain.
6: Well, it is indeed, and there are a lot of people who would around Shannon and and uh, other who feel very sad because uh, Bally Casey. Uh, was synonymous with Claire Soccer for a long number of years uh, on top of being the Oscar trainer there. Uh, the club, Newtown, had built dressing rooms. They fenced in the pitch. I'd say that it was one of the very early pitches in the county that was enclosed.
1: Yeah, they were probably ahead of their time, Jim. That's probably part of the problem. Uh, they were.
6: It. There were great people there. I mean, Tom was talking about Jimmy Rocks. There was Brendan Wall who put in a lot of work Uh, there was Tommy Carr who was a legendary groundsman there at that time Uh, and there was another man I can't think of his name and the amount of time and hours they put into it and the pride they took in making sure that everything was immaculate there Uh, I remember when we won the final uh, the Dublin team that came down couldn't leave the facilities that were there changing room wise the, the pitch was fenced in and the general and uh, ambience was very, very good indeed.
1: And sure and no better result than to send the dubs home packing with a, with a loss in well, their, in their no, back pocket. Uh, uh, well,
6: no, incredibly sporting. And uh, uh, I remember well that night, uh, that night after winning the game, we were using the Clare Inn, which uh, yeah, they called, like, I don't know what it's called now, it's the hotel and he was still there. And uh, the Inn in Poland I think it's called now. And we had our meal there with the... And they stayed, and by God, they stayed late, uh, we partied until
0: late and, left you the know what, left. and jim i was i was struggling for a name to call this part of the show <laughs> and uh, i had written down here i put down jim madden's crack <laughs> 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 and there <laughs> and there you are you're talking about partying all night long up at the claire inn so you never let us down no
6: i mean you you when you win something and uh, the effort the oscar trainer was A legendary trophy and still is though it's not it doesn't have the same cachet as it had then Uh, you for the first time in Clare it's like Newmarket last season winning the FAI you are you have got to celebrate these massive occasions and we did celebrate it
0: no, absolutely, I totally agree. Because as I said, we we don't know when the next one is going to come around, and no, hopefully, you don't. You hopefully, don't. this weekend the Irish rugby team will do us proud as well over against Scotland. We're not talking about rugby. I know, but child, I'm just, We're, I'm talking, just we're saying, talking about soccer. you know about yeah. about, about <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think Tom, football. you're
6: you're right. I mean, the the country has got behind <laughs> the uh, soccer team. They've got behind the rugby team. Uh, they got behind the ladies' team they uh, when they went to the World Cup and gave a great performance. Uh, I wasn't happy about what some of the comments made by some of the team about Vera Powell, uh, which I thought were very deserved. Right, She was extremely conservative in how she left the game to be played. Maybe she was a little bit old-fashioned. But uh, for players to say that they got to the World Cup in spite of her, I think was totally disrespectful.
0: And you know, hopefully, in the years to come, we'll have a few ladies in the Clare panel, or how do you say, from Clare, going on to represent Ireland. Let's say in the ladies' team, they've had a very, very good start to the new campaign. Under uh, is it Miss Gleeson, and I think she's the director of football. Is it with the with the ladies in the FAI? But we're hoping to uh, next time we we have our show to include a lot of ladies' soccer as well in the Clare in the Clare district. So. That'll be our next bit of an adventure, but Jim, uh, to conclude our section tonight, um, what would you say your kind of your your hopes are leading up to Christmas in relation to the different teams um, in the in the league? Do you reckon we're we're going to really really struggle now at this stage to get games off the ground?
6: Uh, well, nationally and in the, the the FAI Junior Cup and in uh, the Monster Junior. I think that the two top teams, Avenue and No Market, and to a lesser extent uh, Shannon, are quite competitive. And both of the teams, they are sorry, the three teams, they are working very, very hard indeed. Of the three, I would imagine that No Market and Avenue are going to be very competitive, and we'll get to the knockout stages of. Both of those competitions. Uh, the the word is that in lift they were a bit niffed to see Newmarket going into Jackman Park and winning the FAI Junior Cup. Uh, they beat St Michael's in that, which was a brilliant occasion, a big crowd, great atmosphere. Uh, unfortunately, Newmarket lost the Munster Junior Final to Regional. Uh, inside of Jackman Park as well there was a big crowd there my own feeling is and I have said this to some market people I think after the FAI they took their eye off the ball a little bit because their main driving force after winning the FAI was to get back to winning the Premier League and unseating Avenue, who had beaten them the year before. And for some reason, they felt that winning the Premier League, which they did do, was of more importance than winning the Munster Junior Cup. And I do think that that was maybe getting their priorities a little bit wrong, Newmarket, for their part, have also won the uh, Tom Hand Cup when they beat uh, the Cork uh, Intermediate Champions down there. In Ballingari, they won there on uh, extra Time, if I remember rightly, some weeks back. They will now be playing in the Munster Champions League thing against the league winners from the other comp leagues. Uh, and they're still, as I said, in the months junior. So I think we have a lot of soccer still to look forward to. And on the Wednesday, the 18th, uh, the Claire Oscar trainer team are playing Limerick in Jackman Park at eight o'clock on the Wednesday night, the 18th.
0: OK, some, some good local soccer, or at least across to, to Limerick, to look forward to at a very, very good yeah. level. Luke
1: is going to come into you one last time, Jim, before we finish up. Uh, I said we're heading for injury time now, Jim, in this slot. Uh, you alluded to earlier Callan United, um, a yeah. new team in the league this year?
6: Uh, yes, indeed. As I said, they're playing their games out of Mullock, so they must be from up around there. They're probably pulling their players from uh, Kilmory or Bricken. Mullock uh, and uh, other, uh, maybe Milltown, Milltown as well. Okay. So they would have guys capable of playing football and physically very strong because remember, these club th- teams would have very strong GA presence. Admittedly, Kilmorey and Brickham were dumped out of the championship by Cratloe uh, by a pint, and uh, there is no doubt, uh, and I know some of the Kilmorey people, they were not. Happy cappers
1: at the end of that game. No, but I presume it meant they got back to the soccer a bit quicker than usual, Jim. <laughs> well, f- as you know, uh, Luke, there's never a cloud that
6: doesn't have a single uh, line.
1: I, I, exactly. Listen, I just want to make one observation just in relation to the Premier. Uh, you alluded to earlier there that. Um, I just would w- say results in general, there have been some very bad beatings that I don't think do any good for any clubs. No, but they don't. Kool, I-, I just know, we'll say in a, re- a preview of the season, I noted that Cool have lost a number of players. Um, if this, the first result or two of the season are anything to go by, do you think are they going to struggle this year?
6: Uh, they will struggle, there is no doubt, and it's going to take serious determination by the management and the players to see out the season Uh, Mount Shannon did it last year they struggled but they kept at it and you have to admire that which I I do as well I was delighted at the end of the season that uh, the three clubs that came up uh, uh, survived in the Premier League Kilrush who are doing great work back there Michael Clare is the manager there and he has a very good fit. now he has done something that wasn't being done by a lot of the clubs outside of the top couple he implied. Uh, a strength and conditioning coach now the one position he can't fill and I know Mike very well, he can't, there's a goalkeeper uh, but they won above in Mount Shannon last week, he said it was a good game and uh, they're playing Shannon Town B this week, the other teams that I was delighted to see, I'm delighted to see Tuller because I think Tuller can develop and if they concentrate on soccer consolidate the position in the top
3: level
1: yeah, and as uh, I said, being an East Clare team, we wish them the very best of luck. And yeah. I suppose Kilkishan sort of reaching the heady heights uh, of the Premier this year, and hopefully it goes well it's Well, it's their for them. first
6: time being promoted, and they've put in a lot of work. Now, they haven't played very many games, as we pointed out, but uh, I think that basically they feel that... Uh, now that uh, there is very little distractions in the competition area for the players, that they will have a full squad available to them. And, and when they have a full squad uh, and their home pitch, they do make it very difficult to beat them.
0: A bit like Selhurst Park, Jim, for my poor, uh, how do you say, fast, fast, um, I don't know what you would call it, um, imploding Manchester United going to to uh, all these different little places that they're going to find games very, very well, hard this season. I'm not
6: a big Man uh, United fan, I'd be more Arsenal, but you know the game I really enjoyed in the last uh, few weeks, week or two, I really did enjoy the Newcastle-Paris-Saint-Germain uh, Champions League match.
4: I only I got
6: the, I only get the result. I only the got goals the result. were scored were cracking goals and to have that central half come up and really put the icing on the cake with the fourth goal from well outside the area to slam it uh, past a very, very good keeper not giving him a chance. And the other thing that I was delighted about was uh, Dan Burton, who is their big local guy, six foot four or five, Getting a goal as well. Lovely to see local guys staying at the top clubs like, New- like uh, Newcastle, and I think that uh, the manager there deserves incredible credit. Uh, he kept Bournemouth in the top in the top league for a lot ten years, and his biggest crowd would, and the maximum crowd they could have down at that stadium was ten thousand. Can you imagine being able to keep a team like that competitive? When you're up against teams that have 50,000, which Newcastle would have and Man United would have and Arsenal and the resources that they have. And to be able to do it, I think he deserves a massive credit as well.
3: He certainly
0: he certainly does. And I think you put, you put your finger on it by uh, keeping it local, Jim. And that's what we're trying to do here on Scariff Bay Radio. And I'd like to thank you sincerely for joining us tonight. I know it was at short notice. And as I said, you're, you're as ever insightful in all your knowledge of football. And it's brilliant having you on board here for this season. And thanks a million again, Jim Madden.
6: Uh, Tom and Luke, I've enjoyed it and I always enjoy chatting to you guys and you need never uh, worry if if you ring me and I'm around uh, we can always
0: talk about soccer
1: The bat signal will be sent once a month Jim you have been warned
0: (laughs) Jim Madden thanks a million for joining us tonight here on our show, thanks a million Come on! Get your
1: arse in, girl! Father Wheeler, come on! You can go faster than that! Get into it! For Mr. Tart from there, you need shooting! I'm very tired. I'm 85. Good God, that's an awful defeatist attitude, Father Cullen. I'm holding you back for extra training. You'll stay here until 7. Do 15 laps of the pitch! But off you go! God almighty, Mrs. Doyle, how could you find this type of thing interesting? That's what I thought. Sit down. But look at this.
5: Close him down! Close him down! cincini has got an open goal. If we don't do something soon, he's going to score within a matter of minutes. (laughs) Oh, where did he come from?
4: Someone's going to have to get tighter on the Italian. (laughs) Go wide! Go white!
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're not singing! You're not singing!